Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we'll be talking with Holly Mullineau, the bassist for one of our favorite bands, originally a buried treasure, Greg Cott, Goat Girl. Plus, we'll review the new album, Voyage, from ABBA. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We'll also share a new batch of buried treasures, great music flying under the radar. But before we get further into the show, we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the tragedy that occurred at Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival in Houston, Texas, on Friday, November 5th. As of this taping on November 9th, Greg, eight people have died and hundreds more were injured when the crowd of 50,000 people got out of control during Scott's performance. One of the victims was just 14 years old, and a 10-year-old is currently in an induced coma trying to recover from his injuries. You know, as horrific as this incident is, it's uh, sadly not the first music festival to go terribly awry. Uh, It was just this past summer that we did a show on the preventable tragedy of Woodstock 99 and some of the lessons the music industry still has not learned when it comes to crowd safety. We also had a show in May about uh, venue accessibility, Greg, which may have prevented some of this overcrowding. We're going to keep covering the topic of concert safety, security, and responsibility because it's crucial to our enjoyment and celebration of music. We'll have more on this on the show soon, so keep listening. Now, on to what we love, sharing great music with you. Absolutely, Greg. We are constantly getting bombarded with emails and streams and snail mails and uh, and sometimes people walking up to us and handing us music that they would like us to highlight because it's flying under the radar. They know we are voracious listeners and uh, we do love these Buried Treasures show where we can uh, share these discoveries with our listeners. And I'm going to go first. Greg, when you get an email from a young band that says, we're writing to you ourselves, this is not our dads, <laughs> and they say, look, we love Sound Opinions, and, and, and they, they obviously do, because there was a couple of lines in there about how much I talk about drumming. Mm-hmm. So, okay, these are, listen, you know, we're doing all of this ourselves, the band wrote, and uh, we are all teens, and we are about to put out our second full-length album. Four young women in a band called Neptune's Core. We had mentioned them briefly because they were on that compilation album, Situation uh, Chicago 2, mm-hmm. trying to uh, uh, help out venues that were hurt during COVID. But I'm listening. It's like, wow, there's no way this quartet, uh, you know, their their age belies the mm. sophistication of the songwriting and the instrumentation. That, that classic, uh, you know, alternative era delicate, fragile, uh, quiet moment exploding into loud dynamics. Uh, You know, the second album is called Evolving. It is just out. I'm going to play a track called Turning Red. The group is Neptune's Core. It's true or to breathe when
That is Neptune's Core, Turning Red. The new album is evolving. I hear some soccer mommy there, some mm-hmm. snail mail. Uh, and I don't hear kids in their teens. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, great that you brought up a teen band uh, because my, uh, the artist that I want to play next is kind of right in that vein. There's a lot of young women making great music out there. Uh, not just Neptune's Core, but Hannah Vu, who is an artist uh, who has just made her first album. Uh, I want to play a track from that. She's been releasing music since 2018. Uh, started out at age 17, getting a record out, a couple EPs in 2019. The new one, her first full length, is called Public Storage. Um, it's a funny name, okay? Public Storage. What does that mean? That's kind of a dull name for a for a debut album. Not as bad as real estate uh, or dry cleaning. But when you contextualize it, uh, you know, she's a L.A. person, uh, was was very, uh, very transient, trying to settle down and find an apartment that worked. L.A. is a transient town. Uh, you know, age 21, where she's at now, she's just coming out of a very transient period as a young person, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who she is. Throw COVID into the middle of that, and you've got a recipe for some serious soul-searching, and that's what's going on in this record. You know, she said, uh, you know, there's kind of a a couple of metaphors at work here. Public storage being, you know, this big kind of boxy thing that's sitting outside her apartment, and all these people's lives are being compartmentalized in these little units inside there. Mm. Same thing with an album, right? An album does basically the same kind of thing. Uh, but also the kind of the soullessness of it. These people moving around, dumping stuff off, moving somewhere else. It, it kind of speaks to a lot of the songs uh, on this record. Here's one of them. It's called Gutter from Hannah Vu on Sound Opinions. Hannah Vu with a track called Gutter on Sound Opinions, My First Buried Treasure. I thought she needed to get out more. I thought it was a little twee bedroom poppy. It, 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 you should hear the earlier ones if you want bedroom pop. Actually, she's kind of opened up the sound here a little bit. This, you know, I, I love the heaviness of the guitar on that. Uh, I think the production, if you listen to the entire record, it's got different moods, different modes, yeah. uh, different textures. So she is expanding I, beyond that. I did, that I, and I really like the soulfulness of her voice on some tracks. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction, Greg. Uh, I'm heading to Walla Walla, Washington, where the band uh, Chastity Belt came together in 2010. Uh, another group of four women. Um, you know, uh, fuzz, 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 mm. fuzz, fuzz, fuzz. I love me some fuzz. Washington State always loves fuzz. <laughs> this song, Fear, is a new single from the group. They're gearing up for a new album. Uh, and uh, the leader, Lydia Lund, wrote it about, quote, the ambient terror of trying to communicate with other people. Mm. And uh, I think that that's uh, been haunting all of us as we slowly, trepidatiously venture back into the world you know how do i talk to people how do i act in public again and she was in the middle of covid uh uh in her parents house recording this song and screaming about fear over this ferocious music and of course she's tracking vocals so her parents could just hear her going on and on about fear and mom runs in and says 
are you all right? <laughs> what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love the creepy, creepy vibe of this song. And I love the fuzz. Did I mention the fuzz? You did, you did mention that. And there's a lot of it on this. Chastity <laughs> Belt with Fear. Chastity Belt, Fear is the new single. They have gotten some buzz in the underground, Greg. NPR even did something with them. Uh, but we haven't talked about them, and now I That's, am a uh, fan. You know, good as excuse as any to play a, a good record. Uh, I'm with you on that point. Uh, some people might say the next record I'm going to play is a little bit more than just a buried treasure. Obviously, the band that I'm going to refer to is called Beak out of the UK, and it is led by one Jeff Barrow. People know him from Portishead. Mm. Uh, what's perhaps new, I, did, I, I read a lot of uh, interviews with Jeff Barrow over the last few years, and you're reading between the lines, and you kind of get the sense that Portishead is probably done. They're not going to make any more records, or nothing's really appearing to be imminent. Uh, it's been about, uh, God, it's been 12 years, 13 years yeah. since the last Portishead Well, record. I mean, they were great records, oh, and wow. they kind of did what they we're going to right. do right phenomenal yeah. stuff so um jeff barrow uh went on to perform this uh, to form this little side project which he insists is not a project anymore it's his main focus and and they were making some esoteric records along the way kind of, you know a little kraut rock a little mm-hmm. bit uh, of deep electronic club music vibe uh very few vocals slowly but surely the melodies and the vocal lines have started to creep back in. He's collaborating with some really talented people. Billy Fuller, who is the guitar player in Robert Plant's Sensational Space Shifters. Uh, and then there's Will Young, the third member of this group, Beak, um, who's in this band. Uh, well, actually, it's a, it's a solo uh, project, Moon Gangs. And they released a really good record a few years ago, very kind of ambient sci-fi. Mm. So you've got these guys who, with all these serious underground credentials, uh, forming a group, and now they're about to put out a new album, which will be about their fifth, I believe, since 2009. And here's a track from it called Oh No. That's no as in K-N-O-W. Uh, oh No, from Beak on Sound Opinions. That is Oh No from Beak. Uh, Jim and I are going to have a few more buried treasures down the road here, but we want to know if you have any, our listeners. Uh, If you have one or two, leave us a message in our Facebook group or in our Patreon community. You can also leave us a voice message on our website at soundopinions.org. Coming up, we're going to share more buried treasures on Sound Opinions. And we are back. 
Let's pick up where we left off with more buried treasures. I believe I am up next. Uh, and I'm going to talk about a band called Witch Fever. Now, I love any band with a name like that right <laughs> off the top, right? Um, but, you know, here is a group that started out their first single, Greg, they recorded in 2019 with none other than Alan McGee, that Manchester madman uh, behind My Bloody Valentine and Oasis and Primal Scream. Now they have a, a, an actual full EP that is dropping called Reincarnate. And so, okay, Witch Fever, and I see Alan McGee, and I see, you know, on this record we were trying to split the difference between Black Sabbath and <laughs> Savages. And I'm like, I don't know that such a thing would ever be possible. <laughs> and I play the title track to, uh, to reincarnate the EP. And yes, they pull it off. Again, uh, four young women. Uh, and they say their manifesto is, uh, we represent an honest voice about breaking out of the indoctrination of our society mm. and all oppressive institutions. I am so there. I am so there. <laughs> With feminist anger, they say. Um, I love the way this song starts out as a sort of fractured post-punk noise fest that, yes, is heavily inspired by savages, and then goes into full-on Sabbath for this break in the middle. It, it, it should make no sense, but it's like my favorite thing right now. Witch Fever. Witch Fever. I want to see this band live so bad. You know, it's probably my favorite record that you picked of this bunch. And You uh, haven't had much to say about what I'm throwing uh, your this way. Is, this is good. Uh, and hint to all bands. Just put Sorceress or Witch or Coven <laughs> in your band name, and Jim DeRogatis will listen to it. Now, and well, he might even review it on the show. I will listen to it, but it has much to live up to. Oh, you know, sure. It you has know, your to standards be... are high for the Witch, witch band. Yes, absolutely. You do, uh, do tend to... Be attracted to that... Uh, the dark side. That name. That's yes. exactly right. My next track is going to be from another veteran artist uh, that we have never really focused on in the show, uh, which I am, uh, you know, it, it pains me to say that because I think she's extremely talented. Uh, Julie Doyron, she's an artist out of New Brunswick, you know, which one of those provinces in Canada. Mm. And uh, she's been in a band called Eric's Trip, which you and I remember from the 90s, you know. Yeah. She was, she's been around. In that addition, was a great band. Yeah. In addition to Eric's Trip, uh, she was a vocalist bassist in there. Uh, she's released about 10 plus solo albums. I've lost track of all the ones. There's various solo albums coming out over the years. Uh, and she's got another one coming out this year, which is very good, or at least from what I've heard, is very good. The track that I'm going to play is the leadoff track on the record. It's a song about renewal. You know, we're not hearing a lot of optimism in a lot of the songs no. that we're playing. And, and in the last couple of years, you can understand why people are going through a tough time, and it's being reflected in the kind of music they're making. This song just hit me the right way. I go, I, it's, it's a great to hear a song where somebody's expressing something like, I'm going to, my life is changing right now. I've met someone that's helping me realize that I can start over again mm. on a lot of levels. And uh, it was just a beautiful sentiment 
well delivered. She's got these kind of very straightforward, uh, a very straightforward but pleasant voice, good sense of melody, and a great sentiment in this song. Julie Doyron with You Gave Me the Key on Sound Opinions. There was never a plan No need to explain And here I am Starting over again From the eyes of a baby From the eyes of a bird From the tops of the trees From the curbs in the street that is Julie Doyerin with You Gave Me the Key on Sound Opinions. Uh, Jim, you and I have one more track each left we, to go. We do, Greg. When we're offering the invite to people on Facebook and Patreon and, and voicemail and everything else to give us your buried treasures picks, we are not uh, just making that up. Uh, I have to uh, uh, thank Tom Kovanko. Uh, I don't know him until he started writing me saying, you've got to listen to this band, The Soap Girls. That is soap and girls, but there's no space between soap mm. girls. All right, so I got to listen to this. And, of course, I listen to it, and it's like it's blowing me away. And then I'm going on YouTube. We are talking about uh, two French-born sisters, uh, Camille and Nomi mm. uh, Debray, who uh, live in South Africa. And in the time of COVID exacerbated by the difficulties of getting from South Africa to tour Europe, which they have done frequently before the world shut down. Mm. Uh, They've been doing these insane streaming shows. It's just the two sisters with some canned backing tracks, a lot of acoustic guitar. You know, it's like performance art and makeup and weirdness uh, in some sort of girl bat cave, you know, surrounded by giant trolls. And I mean, (laughs) literally, you know, you got to look this up. Uh, None of which would matter if the songs weren't fantastic. They are angry. They are ferocious. um, They are uh, tuneful in their punk assault. And they have these legions of followers like Tom. The uh, fans are called the Soap Suds of the Soap Girls, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to come to America. They're like, if you play them on Sound Opinions, maybe they'll come, (laughs) Tom says. And I'm like, I don't know about that, Tom. But I love this song. Now, this is an older song. Their last full album came out in 2017, but they've spent the last year and a half working on a new record. I'm there the minute it drops, but I think this is as good an introduction as I could possibly offer. Soap Girls, weird South African art punk strangeness. Of course, the song is called Society's Reject. Soap Girls, I think the album is called, the last album, Society's Rejects Plural, the song is Reject Singular, but you know, that's their, we got the outside idea. the margins, <laughs> yeah. yes, is where what I'm trying to say. A lot of, a lot of outside the margins people today. Uh, you know, we've been playing some artists um, who are, who feel like older than their years, you know, like they, they, there's a maturity about the music that they're playing. Uh, and I felt the same way about Mathilde, the next artist I'm going to play. She's a, a woman from uh, 
uh, Mathilde Brown from Atlanta, and I I found out about her years ago. I have relatives in Georgia, and there was a college radio station that was playing some pretty cool stuff late at night. And she was one of those artists, and I was informed that she was uh, making these, these these bedroom records in 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 around 2017. Uh, she ended up uh, touring with Jack White, Jack White, mm. who was um, you know a, a, a player, is a, from what I understand, yeah. seemed like a pretty important figure, rock star, dare we say, and and, and took her out on a tour um, uh, 2018. There's a darkness to that voice, a maturity to that voice that's really alluring. And the song that I'm going to play, those words, I think, to me, it, it, it isn't spelled out in so many ways, but it, to me, it's a, it, it's a critique of mansplaining. Mm. And it's about a woman who's, who's tired of, you know, there, there's some great lines here, what a silly thing to do on, on Sunday. And how many hours have I lost listening to you, bub? You know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Like, you know, you're trying to take, explain to me what's wrong with my life or what I'm not, what I should be doing better. And I've had it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I'm sensing you know? a football game on in the background. And it, and it's not like she's raging at the guy. She's just, you know, I'm done. I'm walking away I'm from fed this up. guy. Yeah. You know, and I, I just love the tone. I love the way it's expressed. I love the fact that it's kind of unconventional in the way it's expressing it. And I love the dark hue. This this is a this is a woman in full. You know, like she's a formidable person, but she's not. You know, wearing it on her sleeve, saying, mm. "I'm going to beat you up, buddy." You know, for, for being a jerk, she's just going to walk away from it. Uh, Mateel with those words on sound. Those words on Sound Opinions, that is coming from her forthcoming album. Good uh, stuff. Good stuff, Greg. Uh, do you have a buried treasure we need to hear? Leave a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org, or tell other listeners about it in our Facebook group. When we come back, a conversation with bassist Holly Mullineau of Goat Girl, and words I never thought I'd say, <laughs> we're going to review the new ABBA album. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we're back. This week, we're talking with a band we first played as a buried treasure this time last year, Goat Girl. Their new album, On All Fours, was on both of our mid-year best of lists. On mine, it was number one. That's saying something, Greg. One thing about this band is they are ultra-democratic. Everyone has an equal say. That's how we wound up talking to the bassist, the newest member of the group. Holly Mullineau joined Goat Girl on bass just before they recorded On All Fours, which they wrapped up just as the world ended when COVID hit. Mm. Then the group's youngest member, Ellie, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which took six months of chemotherapy. That would have sidelined the group for much of 2020, even if the world hadn't ended with COVID. And it is such a shame because this record is extraordinary, and I'm told they are even more exciting live. The timing of Ellie finding out she was really poorly was actually when we were mixing on all fours. So we'd actually recorded the whole thing already which in a way was quite lucky because we were all 
you know, having a great time in high spirits, recorded a record, we were all buzzing from it. And then um, we just got this really awful news and it, it was just devastating and we didn't really know what was gonna gonna happen after that. How's Ellie doing? Yeah, she's in re remission at the moment. Um, yeah, she has been for maybe a year now, which it's just mm. mad, time's flying at the moment, you know, we've just, everything's been on hold for so long um but yeah no she's she's doing good she's she's right we're all you know writing music playing gigs again well you know if you listen to on all fours compared to the debut it's a different record right i mean it's it you guys took some chances there was a different approach i understand from the recording process i mean obviously you weren't there for the first one yeah but uh that sounded like it was pretty much the band in the room recording and it was kind of a live and pretty feral type of record and this one's a little bit more structured uh, did you know that going in? Was the band discussing, hey, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach here? What was the atmosphere like going into making this album? The record is very different, but I think um, I was lucky in terms of when I joined, we we started from scratch. And before the first record were songs that Lottie had written, mainly sort of mainly Lottie as a teenager in her bedroom. And then, you know, created the band with Ellie and Naima and they fleshed it out and wrote their parts and there were songs that had been around for a really long time. They played them a million times so they just came in, played them and it's great and it's totally like you said it's it's raw and it's really exciting whereas this one it was like okay we're, we're done with those songs now we're, we're starting completely from scratch we can do whatever we want so it, it took a really long time but we weren't you know restricting ourselves in any way like we can all play different instruments to like varying levels of <laughs> of success. Mm. Um, like Rosie's an am amazing keys player, you know, Lottie's really great at bass. Ellie plays synth really well. So I kind of just turned up and I had a couple of synths, which was something because I've been playing music on my own for a little while. And that's just something that I was kind of interested in. It took probably like a year to write it, but it was all very equal and it was all very from scratch so I felt quite lucky to be included in that having just joined as well you know they made me feel really welcome and luckily it luckily it worked I think I, I'm really proud of it and yeah that's interesting to me because you, you mentioned that Lottie wrote the first record it sounded like everybody got a piece of this one in terms of the writing it, it you don't normally see that I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah, we all definitely have things to offer and, and, and Lottie obviously can see that and, and she's not, she's the opposite of a dictator, you know, if you, if you know anything about mm. us and, and our politics and all of that stuff, that's kind of, that's kind of the ethos that we, we believe in and, you know, uh, yeah, I think it just made sense and I guess it's kind of hard sometimes to ditch your ego, it's, it's hard for all of us when you're writing together but I think we all firmly are focused on the same goal of writing music that we all like and and luckily when something's good our egos just are put to one side and it, it's good and we just we just jam it out until we're happy with it um mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> well it seems holly that there also was a, a shift in terms of uh uh the theme of the second album being much broader you know the first album uh, as, as you said uh, you know, Goat Girl is coming from a place of political consciousness, anti-racism, anti-misogyny, anti-homophobia, and uh, uh, not that it was obvious or, or pedantic on the first album, but, you know, the targets were kind of clearly in sight. This album, uh, with a song like PTST, discussing uh, the environment in the crack, depression 
and anxiety feels. Please don't leave me alone staring out the window. I know I should get out the house, make myself useful. It was, you know, that old cliche, the, the, the personal is political. But it seemed like you were digging deeper to look at some of the root causes and the reactions to, uh, to what you've been fighting from day one, let's throw Brexit in there too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that was a shift. It feels a little bit more um, reflective. It's a bit more internal. It's a bit more, I guess, when you're a teenager and you're mad, you, you know you know, you know what you're mad about, but you, you're just reacting to that in that moment, perhaps. Whereas now, you know, um, we're a few years older. I mean, I'm I'm a few years older even than the rest of the band. But um, I was wondering. So yeah, yeah they they began playing at like 16. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, Goat Girl basically started when Lottie and Ellie and that were like sort of 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess it's it's changed because they're 24 now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a shift from wait, this stuff is happening. Why is it happening? Like, it's, it's more of a kind of considered uh, reflection of the bigger picture and I guess trying to understand that and where we fit within that. And um, I think that's kind of what's going on. Well, you yeah. know, I've read uh, some interviews. Uh, everybody in the band, it's an egalitarian band. Everybody's been doing some interviews. Um, and, and it is amazing, given ha- having created this incredible record and then the world ending and everybody going into lockdown and Ellie's health woes, right? 2020 was a lousy year for every single one of us. But in particular, I, I can imagine having created this work you're so proud of and not being able to do anything with it for a year, plus worrying about your friend and bandmate. Um, it's amazing how good spirits you're yeah, all Yeah, I mean, yeah, 2020 was a weird year for all of us. There was there's also mm-hmm. personal struggles that we were going through. Like, I moved out of London. Um, Ellie moved out of London. And weirdly, like kind of what you're saying, we sat on this thing. But I feel actually so much closer with each other from the last year even though we weren't spending physical time together we weren't physically writing together we were sort of catching up with each other over zoom and you know i i feel much closer we're, we're much more open with each other and i feel like a really connected unit and i feel really excited to be like energized and positive and grateful to be going back out and and doing this thing now we just really want to go and do it um and it was a bit scary at first but it's kind of surprising how quickly you just click back into like that world it's almost like oh wait this this is what i do this is what we used to spend all of our time doing this is what we love doing (laughs) and it was just Mm -hmm. so nice to see you know everyone in the crowd dancing or like clapping along or like singing some of the lyrics to a record you know that we've never seen that happen before because it hasn't we haven't played it yet it's like the record i've listened to the most this year because you know part of the reason it's so darn (laughs) so darn good and it also came out very early in the year and we were still on lockdown, and we needed something good to listen to at that yep. time. So, oh, no. um, That's so nice to hear. Thank you. And it was such a change. Uh, Holly, I, I have to say, I, I loved the first record. I wasn't prepared for the second record, what, what it was going to sound like. I thought, wow, they took this is kind of a shift for them. Did you guys sort of you know, realize that you were per- perhaps you know, tempting fate? You know, you've established yourselves with this one thing, and now you're doing something that's a little bit quite a bit different in a lot of a lot of ways um what was the thinking along those lines i'm really glad that we we didn't we didn't second guess ourselves we didn't try and create any specific thing we didn't say this this needs to be more like this or this this needs to be different i think it was more just of an accurate representation of our taste in music kind of at the time and how that's developed i mean 
we all listen to like quite a lot of electronic music and pop music, jazz music. So it was kind of like a more accurate representation of what we're into, I guess. But it still feels like Oh Girl. It's always it's always going to be that. Um, I guess our agendas are kind of there and that comes across in, in the lyrics. And I think, you know, like Rosie's got an incredible, very recognisable, in my opinion, way of playing drums. Lottie has a very distinct way of playing guitar um, and Ellie the same. So it's just it, it's, it's going to sound that way. But I think it's just being more often influenced by like what we're into. We've had quite kind of grand plans for it in terms of we don't ever limit ourselves to be like, oh, there's only four of us so we can't add this or add that we had um Lottie's dad came in and played some viola on some of the tracks and I think that really added something let's and, stop you there yeah uh Rosie is an extraordinary drummer right? yeah I say that as sure. a drummer myself so you're coming in as the bassist how much of the new groove emphasis on the new record would you take credit for um some of it but I think we we all wrote bass lines on the records um you mm. know but yeah, Lottie's also a really great bass player. Ellie wrote the bass line for Badi Baba. And yeah, it's, it, we, we did just switch it all around. Um. And the fact that you guys were all switching around these instruments, I mean, you mentioned Ellie was playing the bass on Badi Baba, and I think you're on drums on that track, right? I can't remember. I think on Badi, I was originally playing keys. I was playing um, synth. Badi, badi, I wrote the drums for Jazz in the Supermarket. That was quite fun. Okay. Um, and Ellie was, I can't remember, Ellie was on guitar. Rosie was on guitar, I think. It was, yeah, no, Rosie was on keys for that, actually, and Lottie was on bass. So every single one has got, like, a different arrangement. Oh. But the thing is, we wrote it that way, and then basically when we went to record, we taught everything back to ourselves because we wanted to, you know, play to our strengths. And, you know, Rosie's obviously the best drummer and things like that. So we were just kind of using it as a creative process and then teaching it back. And then obviously that's the way we do it live as well, because otherwise it would be a nightmare just, you know, <laughs> switching yeah. every song. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to ask you a macro question about the about music in in the UK right now. Um, I was reading some comments that um, Ellie made about the first record. Actually, she said, uh, "For me, it I, I feel like it came out at a time when there weren't many non men creating that kind of music. Uh, it was refreshing to have a non male guitar sound with the kind of vocals we have. Uh, you know, this was uh, you know her statement about the feeling." of UK rock at that time, post sort of this post-punk influence starting to creep into certain bands. You know, you see, you know, Shame and Idols and all these different bands, the Fontaines, DC, you know, we're Irish band, obviously, but st still the same part of the same yeah. of bands. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about what Ellie said? And has it changed at all since uh, that debut came out? Um, I personally listen to, you know, like a lot of, music that's that's not just a, a band of four white dudes so that's just kind of my it's kind of my it's kind of my taste in music it's just, it's just that I'm just not really into that kind of thing um and I feel like there's kind of a sound that that goes with that I can't remember exactly if that was taken from 
an interview that Ellie did where she was basically being asked about the state of sort of punk music in the UK or punk music yeah. in London. Um, and I think what we were saying um, about it, because we talked about it together as a group before before Ellie went and did it, was that punk music still exists, but I think it's just changed its sound a bit. I think it's just changed its format a bit. I think um, it was traditionally associated with heavy riffs and guitar music. And like you said, so you know, that kind of, maybe that's morphing into the post-punky thing now, but for me, it's actually way more radical. There are artists out there like Little Sims, who's, you know, a rapper in London and she's got something to say and her attitude mm -hmm. to me is is encapsulates punk way more than something that's been done already. And yeah, right. I, I, I don't think punk is necessarily tied to like a sound, uh, you know, like a sound. Yeah, it's an attitude. I think it's an attitude and I think people's resources change. I think, you know, we're, we're now living in a world where people make music maybe primarily on computers or with software rather than four people in a room. I think punk will always exist in the way that there will always be people that are like pushing the boundaries of or trying to sort of fight for, fight for peoples who are struggling and have something to say within their music. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's out there and I think that is predominantly maybe in my opinion not led so much by um cis white men and actually more by people with marginalized genders and people who are yeah just still fighting for equality basically well and also it seems to me like goat girl has established this over their first couple of albums already that you feel it's important to say something with a platform you have uh, a lot of your songs address serious topics these are not cliche songs they are very specific very personal and at the same time very outward looking uh, about social situ situation political situation um, bands can change things it sounds like you're saying we can help move the dial a little bit uh, in the way the world works um, and that seems to be like essential to the punk ethos you know the best greatest punk bands and post-punk bands were they were all saying something right unspoken perhaps but it seems like something that you all share in Go girl yeah i think so and um i like to think it's, it's it's a genuine thing it's not even necessarily always a conscious thing um i think it's like really important for us to be honest in our music and, and be genuine and be authentic and i guess these are the kind of things that that are on our minds and that concern us. And I think, yes, that's kind of just how it comes out. <laughs> Has the band ever suffered a backlash? I mean, PTSD tells a story of just a, but that wasn't goat girl focus. That was just a jerk, you know, <laughs> yeah, mistreating sure. Rosie. But I wonder, has there been blowback? Yeah, I mean, that track particularly kind of takes this very specific, like, personal incident and then it kind of broadens it out and, and considers sort of gender politics as a whole. And um, I think that's that's really cool. And I think a lot of the songs kind of do that and speak speak to, like, larger things. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are... It is tricky um, to kind of navigate this kind of landscape and kind of stay true to ourselves and then also live in a, live under capitalism and live um, exist within the music industry, you know? It's just kind of... Um, we're trying to navigate that and figure out that out all the time. And there have been a few things that have happened or, you know, it's sort of in one breath we're told, you know, say thanks to Spotify for putting us on this playlist. But then, mm. OK, well, I'll do that. But then I did another story immediately after saying, now, please, fairly pay us the royalties that you should have done. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. But right. It, it's just, you know, how do you do it? You know, you don't want to completely back down and, and just sort of 
go along with it to make your life easier but we we need to stay true to ourselves and we need to um there's been times where Lottie and Rosie were interviewed about something for the BBC and loads of it was cut out. The whole message of the interview was completely changed and the pictures that we used were not the ones that were agreed and things like that. And it's it's just sort of trying to be true to yourself, be honest, but then coming up against sometimes obstacles that people don't necessarily want to promote that or they don't want to hear it. And it is tricky. Um, it is tricky, but we'll, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to watch out who's filtering it, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Uh, we've been talking to uh, Holly Hole, Holly Mulliner. Why, why did you come up with the Holly Hole? Oh, I just had to think of something, you know. I was on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Holly, so much. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. You bet. Have a good day. You're welcome. Thanks, Holly. Bye. I still have faith in you. It stands above. We did it all comes down to Do I have it in me? I believe it is in there. That is a little bit of I still have faith in you, the lead-off track from the new, yes, new ABBA album, Voyage. I think there's uh, about, oh, I don't know, 70 million people around the world have been waiting for this moment. <laughs> for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. 40 years. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, the pop culture staying power that ABBA has had uh, since they emerged in the 70s. Um, they uh, put this new album together, Voyage, their first in 40 years, uh, while putting together this virtual tour. You know, the Avatars were going to be yeah. touring in London, right? It's holograms, right? right? Yeah, essentially, right. Yeah. And uh, they, they started writing some new music for that virtual tour, and they realized, hey, look, we might as well just put a new album out because mm. we've, we've got the material for it. So Bjorn Benny, Anifred, and Agneta are together again. Uh, when you talk about 70s pop bands you have to put abba at the very top 10 top 20 singles in the united states in that decade-long run and the u.s wasn't even the country where they were the most popular in the world i mean they were selling many more records everywhere everywhere else they owned europe they were completely everywhere for uh, a, a good long stretch of time then they, you know, they broke up in 81. Um, the, the, the couples in the band, you know, went their separate ways. Uh, Bjorn and Benny continued to write music. But here's the key, you know, it's not the same without Anifred and Agneta singing yes. those, vo- those, those melodies. Uh, and that is what uh, occurred over the years. He started to realize there's a tremendous yearning for that sound. Reemergence in the 90s. Uh, Mariel's Wedding, right? A yeah. big part of that movie. The Bjorn Again cover band, who could forget them? <laughs> Mamma Mia. Uh, Erasure did an, an ABBA-esque oh, yeah, yeah, EP, yeah, yeah. huge yeah. with the gay community. U2 was covering uh, Dancing Queen yeah. on that uh, Zoo TV tour. ABBA Gold in 1992. We did a whole show on that, Jim, a few years Episode ago. Episode 438. Yes, w- with the author of the 33 and a third book yes. on that particular album. That exploded. Once again, we saw a huge outgrowth of, of ABBA love around the world. Uh, and here's the new album, Voyage. We're going to play a track from it before we review it. Don't Shut Me Down is the name of the track from ABBA on Sound Opinions. And I see another me I've been reloading yet I'm 
Don't Shut Me Down by Abba from Voyage. Um, okay, Greg. Uh, Abba Gold, 19 songs, 19 masterpieces, okay? That can mislead one. Because if you dive into the eight albums that they actually released uh, up to Visitors in 1981, mm-hmm. there was a lot of filler. Right? Yeah. 19 perfect songs, right? Abba Gold is pretty much all you need to hear because if you, it, there are other stray like moments of goodness, yeah. but there's also a lot of dross. And, you know, I have one word, you know, go to uh, Bjorn and Benny's chess. Yeah, right. That's my one word. Yeah. Chess. I have nothing else to say about chess, all right? I'm musical about playing chess, right? And it's not like. Chess couldn't work in other forums. We just had a great TV show about it. Anyway, all right. Wow. They've lost the plot. You know, there's a song called Bumblebee, which is about the plight of the bees that we need to pollinate, that we need to live on Earth. Okay, I'm sympathetic. If it had hooks, if it had a hook as good Mm. as Waterloo or SOS or anything on Abba Gold, I'd be fine. It's like the You know, the, the, the clearest sign of artistic bankruptcy, there's a Christmas track. And it's a lousy one. Yeah. Little things, right? Oh, what joy Santa brings. Thanks, old friend, for packing Christmas stockings full of nice little things. The words... I don't know if Bjorn and Benny are putting into Agneta and Annie Freed's mouth. Uh, you know, all of these, uh, you know, you can blame me. I was responsible. I failed you sentiments. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to leave that to the ABBA superfans to parse. What kills me is there are no hooks. And I also think digital technology is not serving these musical maestros well because one of the charms of the ABBA hits is while they sounded as if they came from the future they were very much rooted in analog technology you want flutes you got to hire orchestral flute players okay Mm -hmm. you want uh, those analog synthesizers sound like nothing else right you know um um they were unique and this is just kind of professional and boring yeah, it's very pro. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It it's a weird pop group though. Still, I mean, the, some of those lyrics are are kind of twisted. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned the Bumblebee song. I think that was their big ecology anthem. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and it's just kind of a little strange. You're you're writing a whole song about this Bumblebee, and who else would write one except Bjorn and Benny? You know. Uh, yeah. The, the song that killed me was uh, "I Can Be That Woman," where the dog. Is the like interventionist in the in the song in the whole couple's relationship? The dog like, is witnessing the, the couple he, fighting. He's the most reasonable person in the room. The dog, you know, it's yeah. kind of like this weird little scenario. And the dog, bless her heart, licks my fingers, but she jerks every time you swear. 
Don't Shut Me Down, that, that, that track, Agneta, starts out with this really sad monologue at the start. Yeah. I'm sitting here in the park and it's empty. A while ago I heard the sound of children's laughter. Now it's quiet, so I guess they left the park. And should I go knock on the door of the person that was my lover, you know, decades ago, yeah. even recognizing me? It's kind of, and you realize they were, they were singing all these forlorn songs about adult relationships. Even back then, they weren't t- talking about teen love, puppy love. They were talking about middle-aged couples going through stuff. Well, you, you know, know, it's, it's like still rumors. There. It's like rumors by Fleetwood right. Mac. They're talking to each other through, yeah. you know, even, even if the women didn't write the words, yeah. the way they were delivering them. But in the pop realm, what I'm saying is nobody's writing songs like that, you know? So they are unique. They are unique in pop history, I would say, in, in terms of what they've done. You know, just putting out these very schlocky, big, lush, beautiful sounding, uh, but ultimately kind of vacuous songs about adult uh, well, you know, this is angst, true. You well, know? The adult angst is there, though, but those massive hooks. Well, where's Dancing Queen? Here's, here's where's... where I figured it out. Right. Just a Notion, I think, is the best song on the album. And then I realized they wrote that in 1978. They did. They it was left an that off the yes. Bully Voo record right. because it wasn't good enough back then. Right. And now, yeah. the fact that it's the best song on something they did in 2021 tells you everything you need to know that ABBA is not ABBA from 1978 anymore. It's, uh, it's at a lesser version of its greatest self. That said, they're still going to sell a boatload of albums and a boatload of concert tickets when, whenever they go on tour. I'm not going to see the holograms. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I just I can't do it. I'm not either, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people who will. Well, that wraps up our conversation, and now we want to hear from you. Do you have thoughts on Goat Girl or the new ABBA album? Mel Ballara, let us know. <laughs> Leave a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. Mr. Cott, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to play a bunch of songs about giving thanks. Just be And we also have our bonus podcast. I'm going to be taking a trip to the desert island to play a song by one of the best voices in R&B history. I'm eager to hear that. For more sound opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to sound opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our intern, Mary Bernthal. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. 